We made it to Friday on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 Fan. Justin Cuthbert away on vacay for the next week. So we got Haley Salvian joining the show this morning. How's it going, Haley? I'm good. You know, just sprinkle in a little 4 a.m. wake-up call. Yes. Welcome Into to your clubs. work week. Happy you, Friday. You radiant. Yeah. Thank That's you. That's good. Thank welcome. You. It's the 4 a.m. skincare routine. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It's different. It does throw you for a loop, eh? Huh? Uh, yeah, especially when it's, you know, just one random one. Mm-hmm. At the end of your week. Yeah, that's tough. To, the so boss puts you in you. a tough spot. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Haley, comment on your Friday. Yeah. Throw your whole week, weekend off um, and fill in. But you got at least, you know, got some good sports to cover. It's not like it was a dull day of action. Well, but... I had to go to bed earlier. I missed a bunch of the end of stuff. Mm-hmm. The NCAA it's was fine. good in the late nights. We'll get to all that. You got to see the Leafs and Panthers, of course. We hit a wake and rake win, so no pressure coming okay, in today okay. to fill uh, to fill the, the. We're looking for the back to back wins, but yeah, thanks for filling in. I think you're going to come on Monday as well, and yeah. then I'm going to have Gunner uh, for the rest of next week. Cuthbert's uh, am in Costa Rica. Oh, must be nice. I know it is. It is nice because this morning was chilly. I'm thinking he's probably. You know, headed to the airport with some shorts in his bag. He's going to see, you know, jungle animals, wildlife. <laughs> I'm going to see raccoons when I yeah, bring I my dog out. I raccoon on my walk over here now. There are some creatures in the middle of the night that you, I mean, I know we live in downtown Toronto and I grew up outside of the city where mm-hmm. like you're actually hearing like coyotes and real animals in yeah. the evening. But I took my dog out a few times and I've seen like street critters that I'm I don't know what breed of thing you mm-hmm. are in the yeah. wee hours climbing into garbage cans and the thing was I've <laughs> noticed is like there's piles of poop bags everywhere that don't get picked up and Ew. yeah it really attracts some some little sketchy critters so yeah I've it's, seen that at least it's not New York City like are you aware of pizza rat Oh, I've seen Pizza Rat. Oh, I love Pizza Rat. Like we need I could do a whole version. segment we need a on Pizza, pizza Rat. Raccoon in the city of Toronto. Yes, I'm sure if somebody, I'm sure somebody has a video of a raccoon trying to steal a piece of pizza from somewhere. Like it has to happen in this city for sure. There's nothing better than walking home at night and hearing, you know, some rustling in the bushes, and mm. it's just like a raccoon. I used to see skunks all the time where because I, I used to live in the yeah. annex where there's like trees. Yes, and there was a skunk two month period of before fall i believe and then in the spring where the skunks would come out and i would have to like actively avoid go across the street walk an extra two blocks because i see (laughs) a skunk sitting out there like that's the if my dog gets sprayed by a skunk i'm gonna be it's all over it's gonna be like defcon i think is five we talked about this last week five is a bad one (laughs) or one i don't know man i gotta get that nailed down but yeah i've I've been out and about i'm not seeing sloths and you know jungle creatures like justin is but we see some stuff out there Actually, last week, it was St. Patrick's Day on, I believe it was Friday. And I took my dog out uh, Saturday in the wee hours in the morning. So it was like 2 in the morning. And people were like, leaving the bar in their St. Patty's stuff. Okay. And so I'm on the corner with the puppy. And, oh, oh God, yeah, you didn't make it puppy. far. I'm like, you yeah. guys are wasted. Like, don't don't pick my dog up. But it's fine. He's Bono, seen a lot. <laughs> my dog, Bono, knows the spots to just, like, chill and wait for somebody to to come up to him. He uh, knows it. Like he knows where the bars are. He knows where the coffee shops are. He knows what places have treats. He knows where the pup cups are located mm. at Starbucks. Um, actually, if I go to Starbucks without the dog, there are multiple baristas now who will say like, "Where's Bono?" Serious. So you can bring. They him don't in? know who I am. So we'll sometimes there's a little dog hook right outside. Oh yeah, I see what you and mean. And so I'll just pop him on there. He sits and waits in the window. And they can see him get my mobile order and I go back out and they get upset if I don't bring him in. Well, we got to have a dog date. Yeah. Well, my, we're still working on getting a bunker <laughs> Let me ready know when for bunker dog is allowed to a couple go to more the shots. <laughs> yeah. Maybe grow a little bit more and stop yeah. nibbling on things, but we'll yeah. have a dog date. And Perfect. We can take him to the spots. He needs a tour guide, so Bono can give Bunker a little He'll tour of the city. show him all the good spots, yeah. There you go. Um, all right, so Haley Salvian joining us today and Monday, and of course, Haley, you can hear her on Hockey Central out in Calgary as well, um, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern here in our time that's uh 960 there but not today obviously because yeah no you're not putting the double grind I'm not doing in. that but you get podcasts of course if you've missed any that's where Haley's at and obviously writer for the athletic she's got lots of good stuff coming out a lot of women's hockey stuff around the corner is mm-hmm. uh women's worlds she just wrote a very very good article on harvard's women's hockey coach which we didn't touch on, on the show but uh go read that one because it's mm-hmm. uh 
an expose. Yeah, it's a to tough one to digest on the radio, but yes, <laughs> go get a subscription. It's worth it. All right, Haley. So last night we kick it off with Leafs and Panthers. Now, uh, at least we're looking for like a bounce back statement win. I think we got it. Um, mm-hmm. Having that disappointing seven two loss Islanders on Tuesday, obviously with um, sometimes like. Justin and I put it as like, there's no incentive right now to win games. You know, you have the lineup fluctuations and I'll ask you about that as well. But last night we had a little bit of a, a grit to the game. And I, I think the the most realistic place to, to start is awesome. Matthews having a two goal performance. He had honestly like one of the, okay, that's an Austin Matthews game. Mm-hmm. He, he really came with a level of fire and obviously putting the puck in the net twice is, is a significant part of that. But it looked like Matthews was back. And then there was that tiny moment where he got a puck, which I thought was in the wrist. Oh, and, yeah. And I, and then, you know, Leafs Twitter's, oh, my God, Austin yeah. Matthews. Is. And then, no, he gets it in the sensitive areas. Yeah. So, I mean, sucks, but a little better long-term future for Leafs fans. Maybe not for long-term Matthews future of, the, his, in the me- <laughs> of, of his life. But, no, so that's good because we avoid, like, major injury. That was the only point of, oh, no, um, that I had last night. But Matthews looking like he's back. Him head-to-head against uh, Kachuk is always really fun. Mm-hmm. Super elevated level of, like, intensity and grit between those guys. So I liked Matthews a lot last night. I think it's really promising for Maple Leafs fans because we've talked about, you know, what's Matthews' season this year? Is he struggling at all? Like, eh, he, I think he said, no, I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we all kind of knew, even before Matthews kind of came out and talked a bit about what he'd been going through, I think it was like pretty obvious to the most casual watchers of this team that something wasn't quite right with Austin Mm -hmm. Matthews, like injury-wise, what's he dealing with? He just wasn't, early in the season, he wasn't like shooting the puck the same. He didn't have that like quick release, something looked off. Um, And he never really put together you know, dominant stretches of play. Like typically with Austin Matthews, like most goal scorers can be streaky. And I mean, when you're scoring 60 goals in a season, those streaks, you know, (laughs) they're not that bad. Uh, But this season we didn't really get that stretch of like dominant games, tons of goals. They weren't coming in as many bunches as Mm -hmm. consistently as we're used to. So there were a ton of questions about Austin Matthews and what's going on. Uh, So it was good. to see him, you know, put together the two goals. Uh, he's got, what, like 13 points now in his last seven games? Yeah, he's rolling. Uh, and, it, and it's coming at the right time. You know, I think if you could probably ask any Leafs fan, like, would you rather have Austin Matthews put together another 60-goal season and then, you know, they struggle in the first round of the playoffs, mm-hmm. or would you rather get Austin Matthews hot down the stretch run after just an okay year? And by the way, he's still a point-per-game player, and he's got 34 goals. At yeah. this point in the season, like a down Austin Matthews year is still, still pretty, pretty great. Pretty, pretty I would have loved the down Matthews yeah. year combined <laughs> yeah. in my four years at university. Yeah. Okay, Exactly. <laughs> so I think, you know, relative to what we've seen from Austin Matthews, it hasn't been what's expected. But, you know, he's still a very, very good hockey player. But I'm sure, you know, if he can kind of get rolling on the stretch drive. Uh, and continue this in the first round and get to the second round, I don't think anyone's going to care that he didn't hit 60. No, certainly. I think there's a lot of positives about peaking at the right time. I don't think I've fully felt as confident saying that as of late, but if you look at how many games the Maple Leafs have left, maybe that's a good positive spin is if you're going to get hot, this is the time to do it. Matt Murray, of as of course, is a storyline from last night. Uh, He almost had the save of the year, save of the (laughs) Maple Leafs last couple seasons. Uh, I was I stood up off my couch and I said, oh, my God, Matt Murray is back as well. Yeah. Uh, ends up not being um, called a save. If you've seen it, he's got like two save opportunities in one. He does the Vasilevsky behind the back yeah, save. Yeah. And it's then like, Matt. It was pretty great. <laughs> don't pull uh, something. I know. And then you're Sorry. like, please don't pull <laughs> yeah, anything, yeah. right? Um, but don't you know stretch what? too hard, man. It, it was a good, solid Matt Murray performance. Mm-hmm. And he's got an opportunity right now with Ilya Samsonov away from the team, um, having the birth of his newest child, um, Joseph Wall backing up. I think Matt Murray can probably make a lot of uh, headway in the confidence rankings that we have as fans and as broadcasters mm-hmm. because he went that stretch with putting up a couple goals every single yeah. night. And last night, obviously, with just two and one of them being, you know, questionable to, to say the least in terms of what he, he thought if it was it yeah. or not. But a solid Matt Murray performance is kind of what you can ask for at this point. Maybe steal a game down the stretch, but the Maple Leafs have some games they need to win, of course. Um, they've got 
Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow and the Nashville Predators on Sunday. So I'm not sure if we see Sam Snop in one of those or see Joseph Wall in one of those. But Marie will get another another opportunity to put um, a good performance in and, and a good performance. You know, maybe not a great performance. It's like truly what I'm asking for at this point between the goaltenders. Yeah, absolutely. Like just make the saves that you need to make. That's all anyone's asking of you. And, and you know, especially if you're a team that can put up six uh, mm-hmm. in, in regulation game, like all you need is your goalie to just <laughs> make the stops that you need. Matt Murray did that. It was 34 saves on 36 shots. And, you know, at some points it didn't always look super clean. Like, it, you know, with some of the diving saves, like, you know, they're fun, but sometimes you don't always want that because you'd prefer your goalie mm-hmm. just to be set and have good sight lines on the puck and just, you know, make the stop. Um, but I like that Matt Murray was, like, battling. Maybe he didn't always have, like, mm-hmm. a great line of the puck. Maybe he didn't always have the initial position, but he battled. He made the stops. Uh, he was all over it. And he made a ton of saves when that game was close. Mm. Obviously, the final score is 6-2. to two, uh, But we know that there was points in that game where where things were, you know, tied or a one-goal game. And Matt Murray was pretty big in those moments. And then in the third period, he locked it down, uh, stopped all 13 that he faced. Uh, and he had a couple really big saves. Uh, you know, the the ones on Verhage were huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a strong save off Anthony Duclair, like, five minutes in. Uh, big save on Barkov, like right in the slot. Uh, Cousins beat him on that second goal of the game. Uh, And then they beat him on the power play at the end of the first period. But, I mean, he battled and he made a ton of saves when the game was tight and and gave the Leafs a chance to just kind of run away with it when the goal started coming quick in the second half of that game. One thing that the Maple Leafs um, have struggled to do a little bit at times in this season is win against desperate teams or teams yeah. um, that are, you know, lower than them in the rankings uh, in the standings. We've seen that against Coyotes, against Sa- uh, not Sa- well, Sabres, I guess. In, is They're in desperate. They were trying they to get into the wild certainly. card race. Um, uh, obviously with Montreal, with the Sens. There's been a lot of games that we look back saying, I can't believe you lost that. The Panthers coming in also with something to prove, with something to play for. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to be able to win games like that it had a playoff type atmosphere a lot of it I think the physicality is a reason behind that you know obviously the Kachuk addition um, has made that team spicier Mm -hmm. Matthews elevated I thought that there was a little bit more of a a grit I've used that word twice now but that's kind of how I'm feeling when I look at that performance last night it was a good like detailed Austin Matthews Mm -hmm. game too right like he he had the good stick details, long reach. He was good on the back check multiple times. Like that was a really good game where you notice the things that Austin Matthews is doing in the D zone to get his team out of their own zone, mm-hmm. up into transition, up into the offensive zone. And those are the little things that you might not notice. But when Austin Matthews was out of the lineup at times, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you really miss all the little things that guy does on the wall, like one-on-one, loose pucks, back check. He does so many little things that allow him and his line mates to just go and cook in the offensive zone. And last night was like a good example of that kind of performance from Matthews too. Yeah, and the Panthers are not an easy matchup. They played with a lot of intensity at stretches of this game. And so the Maple Leafs being able to win and close it out in dominant fashion there with a 6-2 win. Matthew spoke about this post game about what it means and what level of, of elevation of his play and his team's play that he needs to beat a desperate Panthers team. Yeah, I think it's really positive. I mean, we knew these guys were going to be very desperate, and, and um, you know they always come out hot. So I thought um, we had a good first period and uh, weathered the storm at times when uh, when they really got rolling. And um, Murray came up with some big saves, obviously, and uh, we were able to capitalize on some chances there. I thought that uh, five on three was was big for us to just take a breather and and uh, dial in something. And obviously, a big goal there by Bunts. But um, yeah, I think. You know, just a good game all around, um, you know, especially uh, with how desperate these guys came out and just trying to, uh, you know, just to play through the uh, the pressure that they bring. Think about where the Florida Panthers were at heading into that game last mm-hmm. night. They're one point back, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who before the game, and I'm sure the Panthers aren't totally focused on what's happening in Pittsburgh, but the Penguins are on the second half of back-to-back. Mm-hmm. They get a huge win against Colorado, so they get back into the wildcard playoff race uh, ahead of the Florida Panthers, so... Florida's one point back at Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's playing on the second half of back-to-back in Dallas. No Tristan Jari. Mm-hmm. Casey DeSmith is starting. Their backup goalie hasn't even arrived to the arena with his gear. <laughs> E-bug alert. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you just look at that for the Panthers, and that was a huge opportunity for them to, you know, 
beat the Toronto Maple Leafs who were on a, you know, I guess a quote unquote skid that they needed to break out of. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want to get into the playoffs. Pittsburgh Penguins are having a a strange season. Panthers are hot. They've been really good after the All-Star game and the Toronto Maple Leafs up to the task. And speaking of teams that kind of blew it last night, once again, Tampa Bay. Like they have <laughs> they have been a bit alarming lately. Yeah. They lost 7-2 to the Senators last night. They lost 3-2 to the Canadians. They've lost 5-2 five, five, to the Lightning. Yeah. Uh, sorry, to the Devils. <laughs> so they're on a three-game losing streak. So this is really important time for the Maple Leafs as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the home ice race is, isn't as close as we had thought um, mm-hmm. because the Maple Leafs have had some opportunity when the Tampa Bay Lightning have lost games. And another one last night. So, I mean, that's a positive. But yeah. uh, Matthew's talked about the five-on-three. That was the first five-on-three that Maple Leafs have had all season long. I was shocked to hear that I stat. Know. I know. All year long, they had no five-on-threes. None. And there's teams in the league who are like double digits 100%. into the teens no of having that many five on three opportunities. And <laughs> it's just, it's these things, these stats, these little numbers that pop up. And oh, you're like, you think so, it's about the refs? So people think the refs mm. are pro Leafs? Interesting. Pro Leafs. I know, but you How tell me there wasn't do you hear one that from away teams 100%. being like, oh, that's just a pro Leafs from call. coaches too. <laughs> Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. <laughs> uh, yeah, no way. But you tell me that all season long, there wasn't one opportunity where the Leafs were already on the advantage that there wasn't going to be another call. Call. That's why I was There definitely was. Shocked. They just didn't call it. So the Maple Leafs <laughs> get their first five-on-three opportunity of the entire season. They scored on it, but not in a sense where they got to set up and actually run a five-on-three. And I thought, I mean, how long? How much are they practicing this? I wanted to see what they went for. They didn't. Sheldon Keefe just decided, like, it's fine. Just just go out there and figure it out. But, they, you know, it was successful. Um, I thought it was great that a couple players that really needed goals end up getting them. Willie, um, four-game pointless drought. He gets a goal. He has obviously been someone we've talked about on the show for the last little while not looking um, as a supporting cast member that we had hoped for over the last stretch. You know, it's kind of William Nylander has to have a little bit of a slump. A slump is is nothing that I'm, I'm causing alarm for, but it happens. And it's also kind of coincided with the Leafs uh, not winning as many games. So Mike, uh, Michael Bunting also gets a goal. And Alex Kerfoot. Ooh. Alex Kerfoot scored last night. First goal in 25 games. Man, that's got to feel good. You see him going through the Sally line, and he does like the, <laughs> oh my god, hands up in the air. Like he's obviously not, like yeah. laughing a little bit at the fact that he finally got uh, a first goal in twenty five games. I know he did get the shootout winner the other day, but this one counts in the yep. score sheet and on your stats. So you know what? A positive to have him get a goal, Bunting get a goal, Marner get a goal, William Nylander get a goal, Matthews get two. Like that's kind of what you're looking for if you're headed into the playoffs. You need those guys to put some points up. And then obviously John Tavares with three assists. He was just yep. distrib- distributing the puck really well. He had that level of composure. He made a lot of really good plays from behind the net. Um, I liked that that view that they were giving him um, I, I just thought overall, Maple Leafs had a really good do- dominant performance, and you need your core four plus two or three to really be the guys to propel you to a win like that against a team that needs it and in this in an area where you need a bounce back game. So, those are my big positives from last night. Yeah. Uh, it checked a lot of boxes. Like, there was a lot of different things to like about mm-hmm. that game from the Leafs. I mean, we touched on. A lot of them there already. Like Austin Matthews was the best player on the ice at both ends of the ice. He had a great defensive game. I mean, overall, the Leafs defensive game was solid. Mm. I mean, I know they had 36 shots go up against Matt Murray, but he was up to the task for 34 of them. Again, you know, John Tavares is setting up goals. Nylander and Michael Bunting are being the beneficiaries of that. Uh, Alex Kerfoot scores. Like It just checked a lot of boxes for mm-hmm. what you want to see from this team during a stretch where I think there's been a lot of questions, uh, you know, post-deadline saying, okay, you know, they're just okay. It hasn't been catastrophic. They haven't been great. They've just been fine. And I think for a lot of Leafs fans, that can be just fine can be stressful this time of year. Yes, it can. Um, <laughs> but I think this was like a nice game because of the way they won it, because the context around it with, you know, a Florida Panthers team that's been one of the best since the uh, all-star break, mm-hmm. um, you know, a really desperate team who who comes out hot. They play very physical. They're very chippy. They have a lot of they have a lot of skill and talent at the top of the lineup. I mean, Anthony Duclair's back. Mm-hmm. Matthew Kachuk is putting together. You know, he's not going to win the Hart Trophy because Connor McDavid. <laughs> Somebody else might have uh, that one wrapped but up. I do think Matthew Kachuk should end up being a finalist for the Hart mm-hmm. Trophy, uh, and they seem to handle they seem to handle him pretty well last night too. So mm-hmm. lots of things to like from Toronto last night. 
And the big storyline coming into the game was that Morgan Riley was a healthy scratch. And so this is something that I think a lot of fans had either been calling for or quietly um, manifesting maybe is the word um, because he's it's it's tough because Morgan Riley is a leader he is really really well loved and he signed a big contract and now has had a a year that has been disappointing um he's dealt with some I feel like a lot of confidence issues some injury nonetheless he didn't play last night and Sheldon Keefe has made a couple decisions here down the lineup of getting some guys some rest sorry with Giordano um obviously Tavares had that you know that almost week in between two games where he just wasn't feeling himself. Samsonov also, you know, taking some time. I know that had to do some personal reasons, but he also wasn't feeling fully ready a couple a uh, couple days ago. So Morgan Riley not playing in last night's game. Um, I don't think it really caught as much uh, fire that I would have thought. You know, it was kind of announced and people went on about their business, but the Maple Leafs looked pretty, uh, pretty solid um, without him. I don't know if that's the, we're going to see that again. But if it's yeah. a little bit of rest, if it's a little bit of a reset for him, I think it can only be a positive. Um, he's a guy that you can't really like. We, I think that they've been maybe bubble wrapping him a little bit and protecting him, giving him good opportunities. And the the conversation we've had here between Justin and I, and I think a lot of people in this market, is how can we elevate Morgan Riley? Who is going to play with Morgan Riley? It's been basically the center of the discussion of the back end for the last two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be TJ Brody? Do you need TJ Brody somewhere else? How can you clone TJ Brody? Yeah. And Morgan Riley has been... <laughs> How do we get another one of those? He's been like that outlier that just hasn't yeah. found the right fit. So last night, you give him an opportunity to... Take a step back, take a breath. I'm really curious to see how that elevates him in the next game, right? Because this is now this is now a point of eyeball emoji, right? We see that he's out of the lineup. I wonder what that means behind the scenes. Is Sheldon Keefe having difficult conversations with him? Or is he saying, buddy, I know it's not going well. Let's give you a break. So sure. they're back in action tomorrow night. I, I'd assume Morgan Riley would be back in the lineup, and I'd like to see what that meant to him to sit in the stands because he's not a guy that sits in the stands very often. No, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes, and I'm sure there's lots of fans who are going to read into this and say, well, the Leafs got two points with Morgan Riley sitting oh, in the I press box. What Twitter. does this mean? You know, I think it's okay to just let this mean that the Leafs won last night. Like, we don't mm-hmm. need to be looking for reasons to say that the Toronto Maple Leafs are better without Morgan Riley on the ice. I mean, they had a stretch where he was hurt and they played really well. You know, I'm sure <laughs> people who believe that aren't going to just not just because I said, like, don't do that. Um, but I think what makes that interesting, you know, it's twofold because Morgan Riley gets a rest. He gets that kind of mental reset. He gets the physical reset. He gets the break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sheldon Keefe also gets an opportunity to kind of play with some of the other D pairs too. It's all he, he does gets is to play with the D pairs. <laughs> I mean, but they have, they're integrating so no, many no, new I people. Know. Like where does Luke Shen fit? What Who does Eric Gustafson play best with? I mean, Gustafson and Lilligren as a pair makes a lot of sense because Gustafson has similar characteristics mm-hmm. and, and traits on the ice as Rasmus Sandin. So it makes sense to have those two together on the third pair. I know there's been lots of talk about Sandine playing so well in Washington. Um, but I like that Sheldon Keefe got a chance to kind of mix and match, see what works. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the Jake McCabe, TJ Brody pairing, which is unfortunate because TJ Brody, TJ Brody makes everybody he plays with better. And so it's, it just makes sense that he plays with Morgan Riley, but yeah. having that pair to take on difficult defensive assignments, play tough minutes, just like eat minutes at five on five PK. You can have them match up against other teams' top lines. The Leafs, I don't know if they've really had a legitimate shutdown pair like that mm-hmm. in the last couple seasons. So as much as I like Morgan Riley with TJ Brody, I would prefer them have Jake McCabe and TJ Brody. So yeah, Morgan Riley's kind of been that odd man. I was like, who who fits who fits best? I mean, Luke Shen actually kind of makes a bit of sense with Morgan Riley because he had so much success with Quinn Hughes That's right. in Vancouver. Like he has that experience playing with a bit more of a freewheeling offensive defenseman. Uh, but Quinn Hughes and Morgan Riley aren't identical players either. So I, I, I'm sure it's annoying to see all the tinkering with the D pairs, but they've got to figure it out. And this is the time to do that. A hundred percent. And I think that there's maybe even a little, um, opportunity to earn a spot too and i'm always for healthy competition on a roster especially when you head into a a time of year where these are going to be difficult decisions come playoff time can you elevate your play in the next two weeks 
to earn yeah. a spot. I mean, I, I feel like there's enough of a sample size to know a lot of these yeah. players, but there's some new faces, right? And that's that's been the struggle that Sheldon Keefe has had throughout yeah. the last two, three weeks. And yep. I'm I'm almost ready to not see it anymore, but yeah. I understand it. Um, he did talk post-game about if he's going to rest more players. Um, I mean, we talk about this in the NBA all the time, is uh, taking a rest day. Maple Leafs have done this a little bit now in the last week or two, and with all the defensemen, if he's planning on giving anyone else a break. Well, we'll we'll look at it. This this little phase of the schedule for sure is something we've we've talked about, and, and we we Kyle and I met with the the, the, the all the defensemen, you know what it would be now a week or two ago, and and uh, told them that this this was going to be coming, and I think we've kind of gone down the list of guys pretty much here. It's been a busy stretch of the in the schedule, as I said uh, before the game. You know, Riley just played five five games in nine nights, and it's a good break for him. We have a back to back upcoming here, so I think you'll see more of that trend continue. Yeah, back-to-back will be tough. Um, There's a lot of players putting up a lot of minutes as of late, and you're going to play the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday, a team that we just talked about has something to prove, something that they're fighting for as well. We're actually going to talk to Justin Williams, um, Mr. Game 7, at 8 o'clock. We're going to talk about the... I love that for us. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, He's obviously a current special advisor with the... uh, with Hurricanes GM Don Waddell, uh, we have Julia Kreutz joining us at 7.30. She's a Blue Jays reporter for MLB because we've got some Blue Jays stuff to chat through. Stephen Ellis is going to join us as well at 7 a.m. Uh, dailyfaceoff.com. He's also been covering the Frozen Four, uh, which kicked off yesterday, uh, last night. So I was watching split screen because... Our guy, Matthew Nyes, was, <laughs> hit, his, hit the ice for the first time. They were playing Canisius. So this is the, uh, the, they're playing in Fargo. So there's like obviously little little pockets of where players are playing. Um, this is the St. Cloud State, Minnesota State, Minnesota and Canisius group. It was uh, 3-2 Canisius heading into the third period. And I thought, oh my God, Matthew Nyes is going to be joining the Leafs tomorrow. Yeah. They end up coming, oh, they end up coming back. <laughs> What's going on here with my computer? Who um, makes a phone call at yeah. 6.27 a.m.? Probably my mom. <laughs> How's the dog? How's the show going? Yeah. How are you? Um, they end up winning 9-2. So it's pause the alarm that uh, Matthew Nyes and his team blew it because they were minus, I don't know, 800 favored last night against Canisius. Uh, Nyes with no points, but that's all right, everyone. He's, uh, he's going to continue playing on. But I guess the question, and I think a lot of Leafs fans have been debating this too, is like, do you want, would you have wanted that to be the end of Matthew Nyes' NCAA career so he can get back over, get to Toronto, maybe be in the lineup. You know, Saturday's a bit of a tight turnaround, but the Leafs play Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, if they're not advancing further in the NCAA, uh, Frozen Four, is that kind of the goal you want? And for me, no, I want him to play out as long as he can here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, where is he going to slot into the Leafs lineup is a major question. Like, who's going to come out for Matthew Nyes if he joins the team tomorrow? Uh, and does he get any practice time for Sheldon Keefe to be able to figure that out? Like, the timing just didn't make sense for mm-hmm. it to be like, yes, get him here immediately. He's going to play on the second line against the Canes. Like, I just don't know yeah. if that's realistic. And I think, you know, Matthew Nyes went back to college. You know, he did another year for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to see him go as far as you can because any any experience he can get in these big games, in these big moments, Definitely. sure he didn't get any points, but he experienced a really tight game when it matters mm-hmm. most in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's really important for him to to get those experiences, to develop as a player in those moments and, and take it as far as he can because he's only going to be better for it. I mean sitting in the press box in Toronto and, you know, waiting to get practice time because they have a busy stretch of the schedule isn't sure you're going to be in the NHL and you're going to be in the Leafs facilities. You're going to have the trainers. You're going to have all the players around you. That is great, but he is going to have those opportunities and he's going to have plenty of them and it's going to come soon. So we may as well get this experience in college while he can and then take what he can learn uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Again, like a week from now or so, you know, stayed and made this decision, which a lot of people were, I mean, frustrated with or didn't understand because you have an opportunity to join the NHL and to start that career. But he made this decision to go back and try to win an NCAA national championship. And he's within two or three wins from that. Yeah. And for me, that, that means a lot. Maybe it's because I played NCAA hockey and I yeah. understand there's a lot of school pride. And that's, a, that's an elusive thing to win. Like That is not an easy championship to win. Mm-hmm. And if you get that opportunity, 
it would I would be really hard pressed to walk away from that, yeah. even if I had my NHL career right there, because I think his NHL career is still going to be right there next week. Yeah. So the, it's the not fact going that, anywhere. Yeah, 100%. And think about the way that COVID has messed up college careers and college seasons mm-hmm. too. And maybe this is because I spent so much time covering the Ottawa Senators. And so I have a lot of experience with, you know, prospects getting that extra marination time. Nothing bad happened to Shane Pinto mm. and Jake Sanderson for staying at University of North Dakota for an extra yeah. season, right? Shane Pinto had, you know, the NCAA tournament kind of, they lost in the final. Uh, there was a COVID year and he decided, you know, he had a great freshman year. Everyone's like, oh, get this kid to Ottawa immediately. Mm-hmm. He was incredible and he stayed he had another incredible season and you know now he's a regular center with a sense jake sanderson is probably not getting enough hype for the calder trophy like that is mm-hmm. you know a, a complete defender uh for the ottawa Senators. so there's nothing wrong with a prospect and a young player staying and marinating whether it's in the american hockey league or in college and again COVID has messed up so much of these guys' college careers. You know, tournaments getting canceled, season getting canceled, you know, all the extra eligibility that comes into play. If you're an Ivy League player, they just straight up didn't have a season. Uh, So I've got no problem with Matthew Nyes going back and and wanting to do this for for himself with his college team. I do get the uh, excitement of Leafs fans. I do understand Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like, be I'm, happy that you've got this prospect. I am super fired up, too, and I want to see him. It's a good problem to have. It is. It's a good <laughs> problem to have. Anyway, they win last night, so they're continuing on their journey. Um, there was a couple bigger upsets as well. Um, St. Cloud State beat Minnesota State. Now, this was going to tee up to be Minnesota versus Minnesota. Fortunately, Minnesota State doesn't get that win. So that rivalry game won't be happening. It's going to be Saturday um, at 6.30 p.m. So that'll be number one Minnesota versus St. Cloud State. So, you know, if the, if they can continue winning, they'll move on to the next round there after Saturday. We'll keep an eye on that. And Stephen Ellis, who's going to join us at 7, has been covering the Frozen Four. And obviously Matthew Nice, he's the prospect analyst and associate editor um, at thedailyfaceoff.com. So we'll get more on, you know, where he thinks Matthew Nice is going to slot. Like this is like the big question we've been having. Is he top, middle, you know, is he going to be a playoff impact right away? Um, but let's talk some Blue Jays because opening day starters, MLB wide will be announced today. Now, the MLB is doing something different for the first time ever. They're all coordinating their efforts to announce their opening day starters at the same time. I love that. Even though some have trickled down already, which is uh, mm. relevant to the Blue Jays because the Cardinals opening day starter who was going to be against the Blue Jays, Wayne Wright, now on the IL. So their plan, plan has changed uh, in rapid fashion. This was yesterday. I was listening to Blair Barker and kind of was breaking news, and he's out uh, for, with injury for the next little while. So don't know who they're going to be facing off or, yeah, against on their opening day. But altogether, the MLB making a massive announcement together. Now, this is the first time ever. Um, not sure, like, what this is going to mean i feel like it's gonna be a video montage you're gonna see all the starters but i like it i think it's cool i think it's different you have the opportunity opening day is is really special everyone's in it together right all the teams are starting at the same time i I don't feel the same vibe about opening day for the nhl because it's not all the same right like they are gonna go all in and announce these opening starters at the same time and i think it's really great um blue jays obviously have a battle between I believe just Manoa and Gosman. I think those are the two that have been like highly touted to be the opening day starters for the Blue Jays. We'll get that announcement today. Um, if you're a betting woman, who do you think hits the mound for the Blue Jays on opening day less than a week away? Manoa. Mm. And I'm not a betting woman, so yeah. I, I should have said that first. I'll sprinkle yeah, yeah. a little bit, but I would say Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? Last year's Opening day starter was Jose Barrios. Remember how that one went. So I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think I would sprinkle money on a Barrios Mm -hmm. opening day start. Because he's still looking to kind of bounce back from the WBC too. Uh, I would, I I don't know. So I I don't have an explanation. I'm just going to go Alec Manoa. Yeah. So I I really liked Alec Manoa um, being the opening day starter for a few reasons. He was the guy that opened up the playoffs here. Um, at the Rogers Center, and we remember how that first inning went, and it was disappointing. I think that a lot of people made this uh, correlation to the moment was too big for Alec Manoa. He, you know, he came out there's yeah. a lot of energy. He's a very proud, proud guy. He plays with a lot of passion, and I, I think that maybe the moment was a bit big for him to start off the playoffs. Now he's 
an offseason removed. He's been training hard. He's been taking um, a lot of attention to detail in terms of his preparation. Mm -hmm. You put him on the mound to start opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays, that's another look into the mental makeup of Alec Manoa and how many strides he might have made this offseason. I say you give him the opportunity. Yeah. To bounce back, in a sense, from how that um, opening night of the playoffs went. And the other side of it is whoever's opening for the Blue Jays on opening day lines up to be the opening day starter at home at the Rogers Center. Yes. And hell yeah, would that be great to see Alec Manoa come out on the mound and start this new journey for the Toronto Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. a new stadium, a new team that has definitely taken a more serious approach to spring training. So my vote is Alec Manoa. I want to see him in that spot again. I want to see that he has matured in this offseason. He's still a young guy, but he was a Cy Young candidate. He is a guy that is going to be the future of this team. Kevin Gosman is already a pro. He's already a vet. Yeah. I don't think he needs it as much as Alec Manoa needs it. And you know what? Maybe I will play devil's advocate. I know I said Alec Manoa off the top, but now I'm thinking, and maybe this, how much weight do you put into spring training stats like Grapefruit League? How do you look at this? Because Mm -hmm. Kevin Gosman has not allowed. He's got an ERA of zero. Of zero. I I looked at this. I was like, um, who messed this up? (laughs) And I looked at this last (laughs) night too, and I thought, how much am I going to weigh this? Has he earned the opening day start based Mm -hmm. on what he's doing at spring training? And like, I think you look at this based on his workload so far. I Mm -hmm. think he lines up for opening day schedule wise. He's had a very good run in Florida. He's not allowed an earned run yet. Mm -hmm. He struck out 18 batters in his 13.2 innings of work spread out over four Grapefruit League starts. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if you reward him for what he's been doing. I, I thought Florida. about this last night when I was trying to pick my so decision. So I'm going to disagree. I, you know, I'm going to switch and I'm going to say good. it's Gosman because I, that's boring radio for us to just be like, it's Manoa. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about One stats, of us will be then, right. why isn't you say Kikuchi opening? Because man, this guy, is, some heat. this guy is the MVP <laughs> of the Grapefruit League. And I'm not even joking right now. Last night, another five shutout inning performance, nine strikeouts in a win over the Minnesota Twins. He's got an ERA of one. One. This spring, he has been the bounce back candidate, of course, of the Toronto Blue Jays season. Him and Jose Barrios, he's certainly earned that that Mm -hmm. you know award. At this point, he's going to have the locked in starter position in the rotation. Um, I mean, tongue in cheek, obviously, Kikuchi's not in the running for an opening day (laughs) starter. But I don't know how you can't be really allowing. (laughs) Let's start it here, (laughs) Kikuchi day one. Yeah, how you can't be allowing a space in your heart right now for you say Kikuchi and what he's done this off season and. Obviously, nothing really matters until the regular season gets going, but yeah. I'm trying to take positives or little pieces of information to glean from spring training because it's a long process and a lot of things are not fully game performance like situations. Like, you know, guys aren't always giving 100%, but they're ramping up right now. Mm-hmm. And Kikuchi with another shutout inning, uh, five shutout innings against uh, the Twins yesterday. I just, he's got a level of confidence that I have not seen in Yusei Kikuchi. Yep. To me, I'm taking that and I'm taking it to the bank right now. I'm putting some Yusei Kikuchi stock in <laughs> and you can call me in three months when that might plummet and I'll eat it. But Kikuchi right now, he's earned a little bit of space in my heart. I'm still going Manoa. Um, let's ask Julia Kreutz about this when she joins us at 730. It's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to see what direction the Blue Jays go. I think they can't make a wrong decision as mm-hmm. well. If you have Gosman and Manoa as two options for opening day starters, yeah. You know, you're in a good spot. Yeah, you know, having like a one A, like a one then one A, one A, one B option for for your one and two mm-hmm. starters is is a good problem to have. I mean, we know that Gosman has the experience of being the open day starter, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, previous with previous teams, I should say. So that maybe that's something that goes into it too. But I don't think they can really go wrong with mm-hmm. either guy, and that's that's a great great problem for the Blue Jays. Um, more MLB stuff that came out yesterday was that ESPN ranked their top 100 players in MLB um, for this season ahead, or I guess in, in general. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the highest rated Toronto Blue Jay with 16th overall. Bo Bichette, number 49. And then, as for mentioned, uh, Alec Manoa, number 51. Springer, number 63. Chapman, number 82. Gosman. You want as the opening day starter, oh, yeah. number Shoot. 85. And Varsho, 
new guy. Can number I change 90- my answer? No, nope, just kidding. You can't. Number 93 of our show. So, a really good representation of the Blue Jays in yeah. this top 100 ranking of MLB superstars. Obviously, Shohei Otani, number one, mm-hmm. followed by Mike Trout, who obviously went head to head the other day, which was so fun. Such a treat. Yeah, I know. We haven't got a chance to talk about that between the two of us, but. If, you know, it was a uh, must-see TV. Those two, number one and two, fall by Aaron Judge, who had a pretty great season last year. So the top three, <laughs> Shohei, Mike, Trout, and Aaron Judge, and then a sprinkle of others before you get to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette kind of rounding up the top 50 for your Blue Jays. But Manoa being 51, there's a hat tip to a young guy that I want to see move up into the 40s. The 30s, like he's got an opportunity this year to really continue to make a legacy for himself mm-hmm. as a young guy. He he turned a lot of heads in baseball last year. He got a lot of respect from a, um, a lot of pitchers around the league. And like it's not about respect in the handshake line, as we know, in Toronto <laughs> sports. But Manoa has a really good, great season ahead um, in my hopes, in my heart. So for him to be number 51 and ESPN's top 100 players at his age. I absolutely love it. So a pretty good boost for the Blue Jays to see that before they start off their season. Um, we'll continue chatting about that. Obviously, this this next week is a big one. Um, the excitement is is getting there. I'm, I'm really pumped for Blue Jays baseball to be here. Um, I didn't ask you this question, but you know, you're know you not covering the Blue Jays every day, obviously, with your role, but I assume you're at least a casual fan. Yeah. Yeah, your level of excitement. I mean, you're probably not dialed into spring training as much as the rest of us, understandably, and I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> but just seeing that this team, you know, is one year older, one year wiser, yeah. their stars have had adversity to go through. Yeah. How much does that impact the way you, you perceive what's going to happen, you know, even just to start off this season? I mean, I'm excited for this Blue Jays season, and I think it's interesting because the stakes are going to be different now. Like, this isn't just the young, fun team who can go on a run that nobody expected. This isn't like a, you know, a zero expectation season where, you know, they kind of make the play in. It's like, wow, this is great. You know, they're ahead of schedule or, Mm. you know, we didn't expect to see this this year. Um, I think they're coming off of obviously a major disappointment uh, getting beat the way that they did from the Mariners in the playoffs this year or last season, I should say. And I think the excitement around this team is real um, because, you know, this is this is it now. Like this isn't just the the window is not. Massive. Yeah, you're in it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see let's see what they can do. Like can, you know, guys like Alec Manoa take last season, you know, and, and become the you know, the opening day guy, the legitimate starter, a guy that you can trust game one of the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um can Bo Bichette, you know, obviously we look at the final stat line from Bo last season, you know, Bo Tober. <laughs> Botember Botember mm-hmm. uh, was super fun, but obviously he had a really up and down year and he had a lot. Like I'm pretty sure like the second most defensive errors in a shortstop uh, last season. So you kind of want to see some growth from Bo on the defensive side. You want to see some more consistency from Bo. You want to see, you know, you want to see everything that whole package come together for Vladdy. So there's a lot of excitement with this Blue Jays team, but I think there's also like a different level of expectation on them that just makes it even more fun to kind of watch and witness, right? This isn't just, okay, they're young. If they make a mistake, whatever, it's fine. You know, they're not supposed to be winning right now anyways. Yeah, that's not that's not the case this season. And I think that makes it, you know, as a as a fan mm-hmm. of the Jays, as someone who doesn't have to cover them on a day-to-day basis and someone who doesn't always watch, you know... 162 uh it, right. it makes it and makes it fun to kind of tune in on on jays so i was gonna say that um remember last year there's just an extra buzz because this team was like world series favorites i don't think i've seen yeah. exactly where they line up yet um but i feel like that that added a level of oh my god this has to be the end all be all of the season and they fell short in a dramatic fashion. Now I think you'll learn a lot from that. Or at least I hope you learn a lot from that as a young as a young team. This is a young team with some young guys on it that haven't had their opportunity to win something of this level. Um the way that that season ended though in that dramatic fashion yeah. Like, that's a taste in your mouth for the entire offseason. That's yeah. all summer long. That's training. That's motivation. That's something that you put up on the bulletin board and you look at mm-hmm. every day. You think, that was embarrassing. That was maybe the worst loss in Toronto sports history. I yeah. mean, obviously, you got the It's Bruins not enough to just get there anymore. No, you can't have... For this team. You can't have that not be the motivation coming into mm-hmm. the season. So I'm really excited for yeah. the Blue Jays ahead. Um, they've got a lot to prove. And uh, and some I, new faces, to, new faces to, and, to integrate too. I'm excited to see 
what Varshow does yeah, well, for this team. Top 100 ranked buddy too. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's <laughs> go. Um, all right. Lots to break down today. Uh, we're going to take a break because on the other side, we got the A-list. We have some Scotty Barnes injury news to maybe update you with. And of course, we'll touch on some uh, Sweet 16 NCAA March Madness. So, whew, there were some good games last night. If you had a chance to check them out yet, go hit the highlights up because that Gonzaga UCLA game was another thriller. We'll try to get to that, too, in the show. And we're going to have Charles Davis, my guy. He's going to join us at 830 because Tennessee lost last night. I know. And I just need to just hear his voice and try to console him. And obviously, there's there's some random Lamar Jackson news as well. We got to break that down with our NFL guy. Um, that'll be at 830. And we'll have a baby wake and rake as well. So you can send your picks in at 595.90. We hit last night. Let's keep it going on your Friday. Sportsnet 590, the fan, bam, 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 bam. Now, it's time for hey, the A-List. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? All right, it's a Friday version of the A-List. And I hope you're hungry because this one's gonna... This one's, or maybe you don't want to be hungry because this one's going to make you drool. But we always talk about different food being added to ballparks. I know the Blue Jays did a couple things this offseason to ramp up. Uh, they they picked some like ethnic decisions and they're really cool. They're adding some different vibes. And it's always fun because the ballpark is where you can kind of experiment um, in the sense of what you want to provide to your fans. So the New York Yankees have done just that. Inspired by Aaron Judge, they have created the 99 burger now there's a couple things about this 99 burger first of all they will only be selling 99 of them per game so you got to get there and you got to get in line because 99 of these will be sold the reason why is because they are absolutely gourmet burgers they will feature two wagyu patties which is the most expensive elite patty that you can find and I don't think they've ever been sold at a ballpark. Two Wagyu patties with new school American cheese, special sauce, which obviously I need to know what that is, and caramelized onions. All of this together for $20, which is a steal. What? A Wagyu, double Wagyu burger for 20 bucks, but only 99 of them being sold every single game. And they look wow. really, really good. They look absolutely dynamite. So the New York Yankees kind of tipping their hat at Aaron Judge with a very special burger. Now, would you be eating that? Yeah. Well, I'm celiac, so I can't. But if they throw me a no lettuce patty. wrap. There you, I mean, <laughs> no, no bun, patty. no bun, no bun. Uh, no bun. Hmm. Throw me a lettuce wrap. I'll bring my Man, own. Glu- I'll bring a gluten-free bun to okay. the ballpark. And I'll just say, can you just throw, you know, just throw this on here. Yep. I'll have the bun in my hand and... Ask them to make it for me right there on the spot. I would eat that 100%. Would I, you know, go sit down in my seats uh, with a double-decker um, cheesy burger? Probably not. I would have to you find somewhere like, to, You might get, trampled on the concourse for it. Only 99 Is that the 99, that 99 burger? Is That's that the it? 99 burger? They're going to... Someone's going to find gonna a, rob you for it. a safe it. place to post up and eat this burger by myself. <laughs> uh, I think it's a great idea. I've never heard of um, a ballpark selling, like, a limited amount of one item such as this. I think it's yeah. really catchy. I'm sure it will be chaotic if you're working the concessions, though. I feel for you because... People are going to be like, I want six of them. I want eight of them. I, yeah. I got buddies back they're gonna there. They're going to definitely have a limit. I think they're going to have a one or two per, like they have to, right? You, you can't know, go those and buy dill 99 pickles of them. are going to be great too. Oh, it's all going to be pretty good. Um, so the 99 burger, if you head to Yankee Stadium, you might just get your hands on it, yeah. but you probably have to get there when gates open. It's like when people line up for bobblehead days yeah. at the Rogers Center and they're lined oh. up all the way to, you know, the go train because they want to get the special unique bobblehead. The same thing. Just you're going to eat it. And that's the end of it. Got to go to a game out there. All this food looks great. I found got a, some good stuff, I found right? a story <laughs> about all the Yankee Stadium food. Can I share a ballpark food For sure. faux pas oh God, very yes. quickly? Don't say Looney Dogs or you're off the show. It wasn't Looney Dogs. It wasn't Looney Dogs. I love a helmet nacho. Okay, love. I don't think I've ever had, I I love had a, a helmet, helmet ice cream. But love a helmet nacho. I don't think they have them in Toronto. Okay. They should, because you get a bigger helmet mm. than the ice cream yes, helmet, of course. filled with nachos and then all your all your toppings. I was at a ball. I was at I was in Cincinnati 
for a wedding in the summer, and we went to a Reds game against the Braves. Hmm. And it was super fun. I actually really liked that ballpark. And we got this, like, big helmet nacho. And this is just a huge party foul. Oh, no. Somebody mixed up all the nachos. So all of the top, everything got soft. Like a soup. Yes. And it turned into, like, a cheesy sour cream jalapeno mush of nacho chip. You can't have that. And I was so mad because I wanted to keep my... Cincinnati Reds helmet, yeah, but it was it covered in cheese, and all you the nachos were soggy. And I, I loved my helmet nachos. Mm. You know, I like doing the dip. You know, mm-hmm. you can graze, you can, you know, do whatever you want. And then somebody mixed up my helmet nacho, and I'm still mad. Yeah, clearly. So I, can't, <laughs> I can't talk about ballpark food without saying I have a story to share. Ah, interesting. If you mix up your nachos, I don't trust you as a human being. I'm I mean, sorry. There's probably a few things, and those are expensive. Worse. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm done. Well, they are. Go ahead. I, I mean, wish. nothing's I cheap. Even the twenty dollar Wagyu burger, <laughs> yeah. like you know, it, it's probably worth it. Probably the most cost effective thing you can get, but. A soggy nacho, like I pride myself, like when we have Super Bowl party, you can make some good nachos. It's all about the layering, about the crisp yes, factor. Nobody absolutely. wants to pick up the the nacho and have it flop. No, I don't need a fork and a spoon Ooh. to eat my oh. helmet nachos. I do I'm think so that mad it might still. be a design flaw a little bit because are you dipping? Is the dip in your like it's external? On top. Mm. No, and that was the problem. That like they were trying to be a good person and be like, well, Let let's help. just even it out I because hope you're not you've got to person anymore. Uh, yeah, very close. <laughs> we re- remain still, um, but I will bring this up often yeah. with him. S- you know, hey, remember that day? And he can listen to us. Right remember now. that day you ruined my nachos yeah. in Cincinnati. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, you know what? There's nothing better than a good loony dog, as we know on the show. You just grab it, and you know, does it just a buck? It's always better than loony dog. Nothing better than loony dogs, um, especially soggy nacho helmet. Um, all right, we got Stephen Ellis on the other side of the break. He's going to join us. Uh, he just wrote about how Connor McDavid's comments about the best on best might have, you know, just given us a bit more perspective of international hockey needing to make a return. And of course, he's a prospect analyst. So the Frozen Four, Matthew Nyes, moving on to the next round with a big win last night over Canisius, where he might slot into this lease lineup pending the end of his NCAA career. That's next.